Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totello Coster. Today's guest is a little bit of a departure from what you'd typically expect on the show, and I was a little skeptical at first when his name came across my desk. But after having our pre-chat, I knew that he had a lot of value to share, especially for those of you who are scaling your way to multiple six and seven figures. Brian Burke is the founder of SellYourMac.com, an Inc. 5000 company that has paid out $40 million to Apple users and is one of the world's largest purchaser of used Apple products. And I know you're thinking, why are we talking about buying and selling Apple products? Because when it comes to scaling, it doesn't matter what you sell. Keeping your customers happy, growing a team that works their butt off for you while still being able to pick your kids up from school and giving back to your community doesn't happen without some smart strategies. In this episode, Brian shares what he credits most to his success of building the number one ranked Apple trade in business in a very crowded market, why moving from the basement of his first house into a real warehouse was a game changer for his business, and no, it's not what you think and why he still runs this business, even though he doesn't have to. Let's get into the interview. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, Jessica. Thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you today. And I did intro you, obviously, already, but I would love to hear in your words why we should listen to anything you have to say today. Wow. (laughs) Well, I am Brian the Mac Man, and I've worked so hard to grow my business, SellYourMac.com, and our sister company, Renewed Macs, and do have about 15 years experience in the industry and a couple of years using Shopify and e-commerce. But going back from the start, I've been doing eBay since I was a little kid, and so a lot of time uh, working on e-commerce and experienced the growth pain, so I have a lot to share that could help your audience. Okay. I love it. And I know you guys listening are like, sell your Mac. Like, I don't sell Macs or computers and I don't (laughs) use eBay. Like, why do I want to listen to this guy? And don't worry, like I do with everyone, we had a pre-conversation first. And I know that this conversation is going to be really, really relevant to those of you who are growing your businesses. Maybe it's growing faster than you expected it to. And you're a little overwhelmed. You're not sure what's going on. Or for those of you who your plan is to grow a really big business, but sometimes we don't know everything that's going to come with that. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Like as you are growing your business and adding on all those zeros, all those figures, like what are the things that we need to be thinking about? What are the things that people forget and How do we make those milestone decisions? Like when is it time to get a warehouse or should we be outsourcing to a 3PL? So what kind of insights can you give us about that, Brian, or what have you seen and what did you do in your business? 
Okay, everyone, whatever you do, do not forget about your customers. They are the lifeblood of your company. Whether you are a one man and woman shop or a hundred or a thousand person company, you always have to be caring for your customers the same way you do when you're a startup. And that means truly responding to them very quickly, taking care of their needs. And when you do that, they're going to be raving fans. They're going to spread the word about your business. They're going to shout about you on social media. But the opposite, if you don't take care of them, you're going to have terrible reviews. And ultimately, those declines are going to hurt your business and your revenue. So we've kept the mindset that we're going to take care of our customers the same way we did when we first got started. And it really has tremendous value for us. We have tons of raving fans with a top rated in the entire industry when it comes to Apple trade-in. And that means a lot to us because our customers love us and we're always doing the right thing. You know, if anything ever happens that there's an issue, which certainly they do come up, we take care of the customer right away and we bend over to make sure we can help them no matter what their problem is. So let's talk about that a little bit more because, I mean, how are you doing this at scale? How many people do you have managing this? And did you hire them like customer service agents before you thought you were going to need them? Like, what did that look like? So you definitely need to hire ahead of the need. You know, all of a sudden you're like, the phone's blowing up. How do we answer it often enough? (laughs) Got to hire another human. And one of the things is we're using real people at our office. We're not outsourcing it to a call center or anything like that. So these people have really intimate knowledge about everything going on at the company. So they can speak intelligently and answer all the questions right away. And if they don't have the answer, they know who they can just go knock on someone's door down the hallway and find out for the customer. So I think having people that are always willing to answer the phone and email and get back to people right away is really crucial. And you know, at the point where you can't handle it is when you need to hire someone else. So that's you know different for every business, but just stay cognizant of it and make sure you put that in place. Yeah. I love that you're keeping it all in-house and I'm sure you guys listening, you have contacted customer service of some big company <laughs> and that person legit has no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, unless you're asking for a tracking number, they can't help you because they are outsourced somewhere else. And it's super frustrating as a customer. I can hate that <laughs> in terms of kind of <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows, you know, I'm kind of a potty mouth and I like to keep it real. So how many people are you managing on your customer service team right now? We have three people right now helping out in customer service. And if they're not actively doing customer service, they also can help out with sales support and stuff like that. Got it. So how do you keep them like motivated and excited to keep answering the same questions over and over again and dealing with customers that are probably a little bit annoying? (laughs) Any tips for us there? Not every customer is nice, but we do try to work around it. (laughs) You know, one thing we do is we have a bank now of a lot of answers that people ask frequently. So if you ask us a question that we've already answered a hundred times, we can just copy and paste that and we can tweak it if it's different for your needs but having that built up so we're not constantly writing things out. And one tool we use for that is called Text Expander. And it's a pretty cheap tool. I think it's around $40 maybe for a year for everyone to use it. And what it does, you can type in a certain group of characters. It'll automatically pre-fill the answer. So really great for kind of your top 10 questions and answers you might have. You could instantly hit three key commands and have it fill it out for you. Oh, that's amazing. Text expander. I feel like I need that in my own life too. Yes. (laughs) It's kind of like on iPhone. You can, you know, save something, you know, on my ways, OMY, there you go. (laughs) Yes. I have a few of those things set up in my phone. 
Most of them are so that it doesn't correct my profanity, you know? (laughs) You don't mess around. (laughs) I never say ducking. That's not what I meant. That is awesome. (laughs) Okay, amazing. So we're definitely keeping the customer experience aspect in check and treating them just the same as we did when we were starting out. What were some of like the next roadblocks that you came up against while you were growing your business? I think a spatial concern was a really big issue for us. Every single point in my business, I got kind of stuck and limited on growth by the sheer space that I was in. But at one point, I had a two-bedroom apartment. I filled it up. It was brimming. I couldn't even eat my dinner any longer because my dining room table was covered with boxes full of phones at the time. I could barely even go to bed because I had bins of phones everywhere. So I knew at that point I had to move. So then I bought a house. It was a ranch house and the basement became our work area. So that worked for about a year and we were bursting at the seams. You know, I was bringing in freight deliveries and having to go up and down the stairs with them. Very not ideal for the situation. And it just so happened, we basically got kicked out. I got a cease and desist from the city that I couldn't have more than one employee at the time. (laughs) All right. So it was the right time to get to the warehouse and also got kicked out at the same time. And I was so happy when we got to a warehouse to truly increase our growth. We like doubled the year we moved because I could receive larger shipments and had the mindset that I could now go after bigger deals because we could take them in. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that mindset thing a little bit, because what's funny is I think a lot of us, myself included, guys, you know that when I'm putting out the tough love, it's probably because I need to hear it too. Like it's not just about you, but (laughs) I think a lot of us don't even realize how much mindset is getting in our way. So when did you finally come to the realization that that was getting in the way? What did you do about it? Did it happen naturally? Did you have to really work at it? Didn't realize it until after the fact. It's kind of when you're at that new location and you see the space that you could fill up, that your brain fills up these ideas like, oh, wow, I can actually go buy more Apple equipment now because we have room to put it somewhere. And once I moved to that warehouse, I knew it for the next time that I need to get a bigger space to help increase that mindset again. So once we started getting really busy there, we were only there for less than two years before I had to lease another building that was four times the size. And once I was in there, I only filled half it up, but I had so many ideas to fill the rest of it up. And of course, now it's filled and we bought new three-story racking and stuff like that. So we have a ton more stuff in our warehouse. But until you kind of see the space and you have necessarily the vision on what you need, and also you can't always afford to go to that bigger space. So you have to be at the right mindset that you're going to tackle it as soon as it gets there. Yeah, that's so great. And I feel like it's sharks, they say, will only grow as big as the space that they're in, right? Like their container. Same with goldfish. Oh, is it? There's a science behind it all that you really can't see that full on future vision. And I think about that for myself too. I'm sitting here right now recording this. I'm literally in the corner of our bedroom because my husband and I, we share an office because we're in a two bedroom apartment. And it just doesn't work. I'm on the phone. He's on the phone. So I've been working out of this little corner and I can't wait until we move into our condo when I have my own office. And I'm already like, I know the creativity and the ideas and all that. It's going to be so much more prevalent when I have that additional headspace, which comes with physical space. Yeah. You can set it up to be your recording studio. So your mindset will be there. 
Yes, for sure. I've already researched the sound absorber pretty ones for the walls. I'm very excited. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I know not everybody likes to talk about that stuff. So you went warehouse. Did you always know it was going to be a warehouse or did you consider going to a 3PL? Though I can't imagine if you're taking in product, how that would work for your business in particular, but there's a lot of companies in our space that actually use these third-party processing companies, and they've never, ever touched the equipment. The issue is that the processing is not on point. You know, A lot of them are doing power-on testing and other kind of easy tests, but they're not doing the deep testing that we do to figure out if there's any issues. So they're going to miss a lot of things. They're going to miss the fact that these devices might be managed by a previous company and other things like that. And we deal with these things all the time when we're buying from people. You know, very aware that we need to keep this stuff in house and make sure it's right for our customers. And with our B2C model, you know, we want to make sure the customer support is always perfect and the device arrives perfectly. So if we're shipping from a third party, there's so many variables that we're not even going to be seeing it. And we're not going to know ultimately if it's the right device to make the customer happy. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense for a model like yours. I feel like a 3PL works really well if you've got like one product and you're just shipping out the same thing all the time. Brand new, same thing. Right. Like at scale, you're not kidding different things together. You don't have to test anything. Like that's when a 3PL is really great. Otherwise, I think it's definitely worth it to invest in that warehouse. But that comes with its own set of challenges. Any growing pains you can share with us? Had a lot of growing pains over the years. Some of our biggest ones had been around fraud and not realizing some of the ways that people can fraud you until it's too late. Everything can look perfect until it's not. And our biggest fraud was a massive deal I did out of Australia. And I prepaid a large portion of the devices and they just didn't show up. And even though I won the lawsuit and triple damages and all these other things, ultimately the owner of the company fled the country and the business was bankrupt and I got nothing out of it. And now I've really learned to pay for things on my credit card. If you pay for things on an Amex, it is literally impossible to get scammed. They have the best consumer protection program. When you file a complaint, it's on the other company to prove that they did right, not on you. So I would recommend if you have any sketchy potential purchases or just even in general, put in your Amex. It's like an insurance program. (laughs) Yes. I pretty much use a credit card for everything because of the protection that you get with it and the rewards. And the points. The points are amazing. I just like redeemed everything. Um, I'm like, man, I just bought a house. I want to hold on to some of this cash. So I'm going to redeem all these points I've been banking up. It's a wonderful little tool. That's awesome. You can fill your studio with this great sound equipment now with your points. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So running a business like yours, when you are receiving product from other people and you're testing all this stuff, like talk to me a little bit just about the logistics of that. And, you know, my listeners aren't really dealing with that situation, but I'm sure you have some logistical tips and tricks that you can give us just for managing your warehouse space and keeping everybody like in line and on task and all that good stuff. That's a lot to unpack there. We basically have two sides of the business. The cellular max side is taking it in and processing and testing it. And then the renewed max side is selling it and shipping it out. So on the inbound side, I think a lot of the things we've learned are around making sure our shipment cost isn't too high. 
And it's really easy for a customer to find some absolutely enormous box, to put their iMac in, and then we get hit with these oversized charges, which you know, they've gone up significantly over the last few years. And at this point, it's something around $150 extra per box. One thing we've done is we ship our customers custom iMac boxes. That ensures when they arrive to us, they are safely packed. They hardly ever, ever get damaged. And also, we'll never have an oversized charge. So our customers love it, and we win on the savings on the oversized boxes. That's one good example. Another thing is stocking your warehouse in a way that it's easily to manage as you need products and different supplies. So we've kind of came up with some methodology around different ways we put things on top racks that we don't need very quickly, but we always have the small bundles of things, 50 packs of whatever we need, lower and near the shipping station so we can quickly grab them. So it's a lot of like organization that you can quickly get things you need so you're not wasting time. And that goes for our techs as well. They have a whole rack of all the supplies they need basically right behind them. They only need to take four or five steps to get that RAM stick or a hard drive as opposed to, you know, walking the other side of the building. So having things in very key locations has been very helpful for us. Yeah, that is so important. And do you, in terms of organizing the actual product on like the actual shipping side is... Maybe you kind of have your best sellers are all grouped together, but then you also have to organize it in a way where whoever is picking and packing is not like running into each other all the time, right? Because everyone's like buying the same stuff. So I imagine you have some sort of organization around that as well. We have so many different numbers in all our racking. So we can be very specific about where the item is. And that has been very crucial for us because I mean, at one point it was just like, Hey, this whole rack was, you know, shelf two and you go to shelf two and there's a hundred Macs on it. And, you know, it's like picking a needle out of a haystack. So now it's like shelf two dash one dash two. And you're like, oh, I know exactly where it is. You're not hunting for it. So having a really key ways to find product. If you have a bunch of different SKUs is very helpful. Yeah. How long did it kind of take you to figure all of that out? (laughs) (laughs) Figure out a little bit, you know, year over year. And part of it is as you're scaling, you have to hire so many more people because our business is so people intensive that like, all right, if we can just get a little bit better at these things, it's going to save a lot of manpower. Yeah. So that's really great point, guys. Like as you are scaling, like, because you can hire people to set up your warehouse and they'll do all of this statistical analysis based on how quickly your sell through is on certain products. But guess what? Cost a shit ton of money. So for the rest of us, we're just kind of figuring it out as you go. So one of the things that I always like to remind my audience of, especially when they're hearing from someone like you, who's obviously been doing this for a long time, like you figured this stuff out, but you figured it out as you went and you didn't know overnight. So when you guys are just moving, because I know some of you recently moved into warehouses or you're moving into bigger spaces, like it's going to take you time before you have it all figured out and that's okay. And you guys are going to run into each other and you're going to waste time packing stuff, but that's okay. Cause you're going to time yourself. How long does it take you to pack and ship an order? And then you're going to try and optimize along the way and you're going to keep track and you're slowly going to see that time from, you know, picking the order to getting it out the door is going to get shorter and shorter. So well. To your point, I think the inefficiencies in these small businesses, it's something that takes so much time to overcome them that you can't do it until you've gotten to a point, you know, a few years from now, because you can't really pause to figure it out. To reorganize a warehouse could take you a week of shutting down your operations. Like you can't afford to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? The same is true in my business too. You know, I do done for you services. I do one-on-one consulting, but then I also have the digital product side to my business. And I know that there are a lot of people who are like, where are your digital products? Can you just release them already? But I have projects that I'm working on with done for you services. So it's like, I can't just turn that off to get all the digital stuff done. It's got to just happen little by little. And it just is what it is. And you're a one woman shop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I have it that way, mostly intentionally, because for me right now, I don't really want to lead a team. Like I spent so many years doing it. This is my break from that. And that won't be the case forever. But right now that's where I'm at and that's how I want it to be. And so I want you guys to always be building the businesses you want to build, not the one you feel like you have to build. It's okay if it's a little messy along the way. It will be. It just is like, welcome to entrepreneurship, you know? It's part of the fun. <laughs> yes, 100%. Okay, so is there anything else in terms of the warehouse thing or the customer service thing that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that you mentioned today? I'll say one thing about customer service is make sure to ask your customers for reviews. If you don't, you'll certainly get some, but you won't get to the scale that you really need. So, you know, do it at a point that makes sense in the customer's journey. So for us, it's after we paid them for their product. They're really happy. They just got their check in the mail or they just got their PayPal payments. They got the amount of money we quoted them and they're thrilled. So, you know, a lot of them leave us very positive five-star reviews. And that's how we've been able to scale our reviews and it's kind of the number one industry. But if we hadn't asked, maybe we only get 5% of the ones we normally would. So find that point in the customer's journey and try to automate it. You can have an automatic email go out when it's triggered by a certain event that'll really help you scale this quickly and get those feedbacks in. Yeah, so important that you do it at the right time because how many of you guys have gotten a review request like before you even received the product (laughs) or before you've had a chance to take it out of its packaging, right? So when you are setting up those automatic review request emails, Whatever platform you're using is always going to ask you, when do you want to send this? So consider how long does it take you to pack and ship it? How long does it take for the customer to get it? And then what's a realistic time frame for when they're going to use it? And then how long do they need to like experience it? So it's probably not seven days after they place their order. It might be closer to 10 or 15. So do that math. Such a really, really good point. Okay. If you've listened to the podcast, Brian, then you know that I am a big believer in keeping it real with my audience because e-commerce is not all sunshine and rainbows. And there's a lot of (laughs) bullshit on the internet about how things are really easy. So I would love to know what has been your biggest failure in your business so far? Ooh, this is rough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I look back on all the things we've done. The fraud certainly hurt us and stuff like that. My personal biggest failure is maybe not hiring and growing the business as fast as humanly possible. It can go both ways. You know, I bootstrapped the business this whole time and it still is. And I always second guess myself what would have happened if I did raise capital and put the energy behind it when I knew I could. And I'll say the word failure because now there's so many big competitors that have caught up and passed up where we are in our journey, and they've all taken in money, some a ton of money. 
You know, a recent example is a company called Backmarket. They're a big platform that we do sell on, and they've been able to scale now to over $5 billion valuation. They just raised $500 million last week. And the idea is not that crazy, and that could have been us. So it's like I just didn't have the foresight to maybe raise money and scale a business as I had the vision. Uh, I just kind of kept it a smaller company. And to your point about lifestyle, that worked out well for me. And I have a family now with three kids. So it would be really tough to do that. But it, I've always really envisioned scaling my company and growing it to that level. Yeah. And that's such a great point. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is, do you want the business that comes along with that type of investment value, the expectations, the people you have to answer to. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so like knowing then what you know now, knowing that you're going to have a family with three kids, knowing that these people were going to come into the space, do you think that you would have gone the investment route? From day one, probably just because then I didn't have a family. And I was so gung-ho in growing the business. My average night going to bed was about 4 a.m. I was just crushing it. And I had the energy to do it. And now I'm trying to focus more of the energy on the kids. So I probably couldn't do it at this time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess if you had done it from the beginning by now, you probably could have exited and you could have just like (laughs) hung out with your kids and all would have been well. (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, I mean, it matters. It's definitely a consideration. You know, I was just talking with a client yesterday. We just kicked off a project together and I worked with her about two years ago and her business has grown exponentially in the two years since I've known her. And even when we were just trying to figure out when we were going to have our calls, she was like, oh, I don't, my calendar, I don't know. And I was like, you're like a real CEO now. And she was like, yeah, and it kind of sucks because the thing she loved to do was create content and talk to her customers and hang out with them on social and buy new product to sell in her shop. And she doesn't get to do that. She had to hire people to do that because she needs to manage everything else. And so it's not enough to just want to make a ton of money in your business. Like you have to be realistic of what you want your day-to-day to look like. So really important. Yeah, it's a great point. One other thing I'll throw out is that I have seen so much potential on LinkedIn in the last couple of years. And I wish I had known that a decade ago when LinkedIn was barely even being used. I can't imagine where I would have scaled up by now. Just in the last year, I went from 10,000 to over 100,000 followers. But if I started five years ago, it could have been millions. Yeah. And that's got to be amazing for you because I imagine you buy a lot of like old equipment from businesses and stuff like that, probably, and probably sell them new stuff. I'm sure that's a great option for you too. And people should lean into LinkedIn. I mean, I'm getting warm leads every single day. I mean, really, the early adopters are always the ones that get rewarded, of course. I'm not really an early adopter of anything. I mean, I didn't even switch to iPhone until generation five. And that's just because I didn't want to give up a real keyboard. And I was bitter because I was like, everybody has an iPhone. I don't want an iPhone, you know, like I don't want to be like everybody else. And then I made the switch and I was like, oh, fuck. And now it works better. Yeah. Once my PC died and my husband, who was then my boyfriend, he had gotten a Mac desktop to work while he was at my apartment when we were dating. And so I started using that and I was like, oh, this is better. (laughs) 
Thanks for coming over to the Apple side. <laughs> yeah, now I'm completely converted. But it's funny too, because I think about LinkedIn for myself, but I find that there's just like so many corporate people and I don't want to work with corporate people. So there's that. Well, you can create content that'll resonate with the non-corporate people, especially that potty mouth that you've used. <laughs> if you put that kind of stuff on there, those core people are going to be gone, but the people that resonate with you will love you and they will follow you and you will be rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. People either love or hate me because of my potty mouth. And that's exactly how I want it to be. And to that point, be authentic because not enough people are being authentic on there and you would stand out. Yeah. Thanks for the tip, Brian. I'm looking for a social media person to help me out with some of this stuff. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. My gosh. It's like impossible. I feel most people can't capture my voice the way I really want them to, you know? That's true. You got to keep it authentic. No one can write for you. <laughs> yeah, working on it. All right. So let's talk about your biggest success. Let's be a little bit more positive. Oh, wow. These questions are great. I do like it. I would say in general, helping out so many people, you know, I have a team of 20 and knowing that I support my team and their families, you know, really brings me a lot of joy. And that's one reason you know, I keep this business going. I have other ideas that I think can make a lot of money as well, but I really love supporting everyone in this company and I want to continue that. And you know, I see that a lot when we have an annual company event, for example, and everyone comes together and just that appreciation of kind of that family atmosphere we've created and how many people we've helped. And then on another side of helping people, I love gifting Macs to underserved students. And it's been a lot tougher doing this during the pandemic. I used to go to these awards events and gift max at those events. Now trying to do it more virtually, but really that brings me a lot of joy. I usually cry when I'm giving a Mac to someone. And I'm very appreciative that I had the tools to be successful growing up. My parents bought me a Mac when I was in grade school and I've always had technology available to me, but a lot of these people don't. And you hear stories that they're trudging through snow to go to the library to write their papers or to try and write a paper on their phone or stuff like that. And you're like, well, we really can make a difference here. So that brings me a lot of joy. Oh, that's so amazing. And see, I would be the person that was crying, watching you give the map <laughs> to someone like I'm that girl. I cry at shows like The Voice when people are like achieving their dreams. That makes me cry. That's that's intense. It's hard not to. It's like someone, they realize something that they never had. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I think back to when I was in, I guess it was when I was going into high school, my mom had to take a loan from her 401k to build me a computer so that I could write papers in school because this was just becoming a thing, aging myself a little bit. And it wasn't as easy to just go and buy a one and done thing. And it was like a whole production. And for her as a single mom with two kids, like it was really hard, but she was like, I got to figure out how to do this. And taking a loan from your 401k, like you got to pay interest on that. <laughs> and then it's not in there, like earning you money anymore, you know? So that was like a really big deal. So I think that's super amazing that you do that. You attribute some of your success now, what you do to having that computer. What did I do on that computer? I used dial up and chatted in chat rooms on AOL. Let's be serious. <laughs> 
Sounds like sixth grade. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) totally. I'd love to kind of touch on before we move on and before we kind of end this here is the team, right? And the culture that you've built with your team. I think as people grow, being a leader and running a business are not the same thing. And I've worked for some not so great leaders. Like maybe they're really great at running businesses, but they're not great at being leaders. And then I've worked for some really amazing leaders who they are the people I honestly can attribute my success to now. What can you tell my audience as they are growing and they are bringing on team members? I mean, how do you create that kind of environment? The one where everybody is like happy to come to work and wants to work their butt off for you. I would say using kindness and empathy whenever you can. And, you know, hearing some stories about why a couple of our amazing team members came to work for us. I won't say the company they were at before, but they had a request to go see a dying family member or take off for some very significant life event. And they were denied that. And that pains me to hear that. And we are so open to letting people take any time they need for anything going on in their life whether it's a wedding that their cousin's getting married or their kid's sick or they need to go visit their grandma in the hospital, the answer is yes. And they know that. So it creates such a relaxed environment that there's never a stress around needing to leave the office and go help their family out or just whatever the case may be. And I think really understanding that and helping people out. You know, a couple of times I've funded something for someone's family event. You know, one of our employees' mom passed away and they couldn't afford the funeral. And it hurt me so much to hear that, that I pulled together and got a little bit of help from our people there. And we helped make that happen. And so just doing things like that, I think goes such a long way. And you could use the word like family culture. I don't necessarily call our business a family, but I had that kind of mindset that I'm just always there for them and whatever they need, I'm there to help. Oh, that's so amazing. It's so important because like your business is nothing without your people And I remember a friend of mine, her husband, he had created this app, which he has since sold. But when he built the company, one of the things that he implemented was unlimited vacation. It's not two weeks, it's unlimited. And the thing is, people don't really even take that much vacation, right? (laughs) They take less when it's unlimited. (laughs) Yes, seriously. But knowing that the option is there and that your company actually gives a shit about you ultimately just makes you work harder. So let's assume that our listeners have completely tuned out our entire conversation. I'm going to ask them to come back right now. If you could give my audience one thing to take away from this episode, something that they should 100% implement in their business, what would that be? Customer experience will set your business apart from all your other competitors. And that is one of the only defensible things you can have if you're just working in an industry that's, you know, a low price strategy. You have to give them value and doing great customer experience can be that value that'll set you apart. It'll create raving fans and bring people back time and time again. I love that. And then last question, if you knew then what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently aside from what we already talked about getting an investment? Maybe hire more amazing team members. You you realize how much it helps to have A players on your team. So having a couple more A players from the start would certainly be helpful. 
And, you know, there's lots of other small things I could have done differently that you've made errors on, but some of it's a learning experience to help you get where you are. So I don't want to take all those back. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Maybe more team members. So you didn't always have to work till 4 a.m., right? <laughs> you won't scale your business. You don't put the energy in no matter how many people you have. So that was my mindset. I had five people at the time, but I still just worked crazy hours. When you're so passionate about something, your battery kind of goes forever. Yes. Oh my God. That's so true. And so important. I'm not about the hustle forever by any means, right? I'm not about that life, but you do have to hustle in the beginning. And I think there's a lot of people on the internet who say, Oh, it's really easy. Just run some ads. You don't have to work that hard. And like, that's crap. Like if you are just getting started and you are not prepared to hustle, then like start a different business. Stop now. If you're not passionate, you won't hustle get out. <laughs> yeah, just go get a job. Honestly, just get a job and just clock in and clock out because that is not what entrepreneurship is at all. But it's the best job I've ever had. So I'm loving it. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for being here and just for having such a wonderfully informative yet still positive and hopeful conversation. <laughs> I really love that. I definitely enjoyed it. I hope your audience got some great takeaways and hope they're going out and crushing their business every day. Yes, thank you. And thank you guys for spending your time with me. I know you could be anywhere on the internet right now. And I appreciate that you are here with me and I'll see you on the flip side, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.